Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we will be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by Chief Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Stuart Rayner, and Football Writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Robshaw, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport, as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at YP Sport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football, or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. Yorkshirepost.co.uk So, let's kick this week's podcast off uh, by heading to the Premier League. And firstly, Leeds United dropped into the bottom three after they fell to a 2-1 defeat at Arsenal. The result also saw them reduced to 10 men when Luke Ayling was sent off. Um, That also signalled the end of his season. What did you make of their performance and how do you view their final games of the season, Stuart? Well, I mean, it was a really... It was a really demoralising day for Leeds, really. I mean, for the club as a whole, the under twenty threes were relegated that that day as well. But 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 for the you know for the first team, um, you know, in particular, we, we we're talking before before the Chelsea game, before Everton play at Watford. So you know the mood in, the mood can zigzag constantly in a in a relegation battle. But it was. There, there were some there were some positives in in the, the 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 way they stayed in the game in the second half, uh, obviously scored a goal, made it made it interesting for Arsenal. But the the performance in the first half was just so poor. Um, I mean, they really should have been out of sight by then. The first goal they conceded was terrible. Uh, the second goal they conceded wasn't great, and the way Luke Ailey got sent off, you know, at a time when they're when they're really struggling for senior players, for one of their, well, for their most experienced player on the pitch, and you know, one of their key leaders to to just commit such an unnecessary, yeah, yeah exactly. Stupid is the word, Leon. Um, red card, you know, and as you say, rule himself out for the rest of the season. You know, it was just, you know, it was just, it was just really, really hard to take from a Leeds perspective and as I say they did show fight in the second half of, this, of, the, of the game but this is the Premier League you need you need a bit more than a lot more than 45 minutes worth of fight um, so they you know they've really got to uh, they've really got to look at themselves they've really got to got to respond from that and, and you know with leaders like Ailing abdicating responsibility other people have got to step up some of the younger lads you know we saw Lewis Bate come on at half time and, and put in a really good performance some of the lads like that who shouldn't really be leaders at, at this stage and, and, and others who sort of aren't seen in that light uh, are going to have to sort of step forward earlier than planned and uh, and do something for them because they, they are they are in a real a real struggle with uh, with Burnley and Everton who were uh, Unfortunately, from a Leeds perspective, it's starting to show real signs of life. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I sort of, I don't particularly like talking too much about the impact of, of supporters, but 
I think if, if Leeds do somehow manage to get out of it, I, I don't know what Stuart thinks. I, I think the supporters are going to play a huge part of it. They've been, you know, remarkable in the support this season. Um, a lot of people have spoken about what Leeds fans bring back to the the Premier League. They've got what three games? Um, we talked before the the Chelsea game, but they'll have another another game at, at Ellen Road this weekend. And I think if Leeds do somehow get over the line it will um, the supporters are going to have to take a, an absolutely well, for me they're going to take a huge amount of, of credit you saw the support in the game against um, it Manchester City a few weeks back in, in, in a losing cause but you look at some of the, the wins that you know Leeds have had at LML the Norwich game they've, they've been they've been first class and you know it's a season where not too many of the players can take a, a great deal of credit you know there's a, there's a few you know, if you can, you know, like Stuart Geldart has, has, has stepped up one or two others, but um, I, I just if Leeds do do it, it's um, that 12th man aspect of the support is going to have. I know it's a bit of an intangible, but I, I think it's going to have, for me personally, a great deal to do with it. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that definitely will be there. And by all accounts, it was there with the Everton fans at, at Leicester. But I, th- I think the key thing is that, that the Leeds players have to use it in the right way. Because the, yeah. you know the Leeds fans will certainly pump them up, but you know Luke Ayling rushing in like that in front of the away fans at Arsenal—that's that's using it in the wrong way. You know, you've, it's always yeah. about about maintaining <clears throat> maintaining this balance between showing the passion you want and the and the sort of ice in the veins. And I say that for, was for, sorry, go on, Liam. No, I was just going to say, Stuart. I don't know what what you thought. I mean, I do like Jesse Marsh. He's very very open with the press. You know, he's refreshing a great deal of respect, but I was surprised that he, I don't know if he defended, if you like, the, what Aileen actually did. I mean, the bottom line was it was stupid and he was a senior professional and um, we all know, you know, he's a passionate guy. We know what it, it means for him to represent Leeds United, but, you know, I just found those comments a little, a little bit, a little bit strange talking about his passion and mentality. Now that was, that was, it was plain stupid, wasn't it? And you've, as a senior player, you've got to harness um, your emotions, and um, yeah, I was just uh, just a little bit surprised by that. I've got to be honest. I mean, I, I do think it's been a bit of a theme of uh, of Leeds games under Jesse Marsh that some players at some times, and I think Hayling's been guilty of it in other games, have yeah. just gone a bit bull in a china shop at times. And as I say, I think it's just about striking that balance because I say the, the the fans are doing their job. There's absolutely no yeah. no problem with them. Yeah. They've been they've been brilliant. Um, but you know, p- people are people, particularly the experienced players, have to be able to use it in the right way. I mean, with with regards to Marsh's comments, you know, he got he got asked because first of all, he it, I think his first answer when he was asked about Luke Hailing in the press conference was to say, um, let me let me think what the wording was. Um, was was to say he, he felt sorry for Ailing, and then and then somebody said, "Well, hang on, shouldn't Ailing be the one feeling sorry, or, or something something along those lines?" And his response essentially was, he started laughing basically and said, uh, "Well, if we if we start having a go at each other, we're screwed." Was 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 his words? But I I agree with you. I think sometimes managers are too protective in that situation, and you just have to say to players, "Look, this is this is not good enough." And f- you know, fair enough. It was you know a couple a couple of seconds from of, of madness from from Luke Ayling. You know, he might not do it again, but 
you have to make the ex- example to the rest of the group that look this is what happens when we when we lose our call cool, that's the point if you sort of excuse it then the danger is that someone else you know falls into that that trap later on and yeah it, it was really disappointing because marsh has made such big play of he calls it his leadership council of his, his senior players who he's, he's trying to have sort of lead the dressing room and and yet for half an hour at arsenal there was only one of them on the pitch you know cases that was that was down to injuries rodrigo was on the bench um but in ailing's case it was completely and utterly avoidable and it's just it's just really frustrating because you know it wouldn't be frustrating if ailing wasn't such a good player and such an important part of that squad but he is you know and, it, and it's all well and good marsh saying well he'll play his part off the field and he'll do this and do that but it's on the field where leads need leaders and as i say because because he's put himself out of the picture because Stuart Dallas has, has broken his leg because Patrick Bamford is still having these problems. Other leaders are going to have to emerge and stick their hands up and say, "Look, I might, you know, I might be only twenty years old, but I'm, I'm going to drag Leeds United out of this, or you know, whatever the circumstances." He's a, I'm Chris Wilder, I know he speaks regularly about the shirt being light at the minute, you know, meaning that the supporters have all been behind his particular side and. You look at Leeds in their circumstances, and the, sh- and the shirts of the players sh- should be heavy. You know, the, 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 the crowd should be. You know, the, the normal circumstances, a lot of cl- a lot, lots of clubs would be a lot of anguish, a lot of um, anger. But you know, the, the Leeds supporters, despite the dire position, have made the shirt light, haven't they? And that is the one thing that they've that, that they've got. I mean, I was um, I was reading the other day, and I, I was travelling back through the area after Burnley played. Um, Aston Villa and there were, sc- there were scores of Burnley fans left before the end there was you, you could really see a real sense of disgruntlement there and while there obviously is at least they're just they're just sticking sticking behind them aren't they and, the, and they've got even you saw them at, at Arsenal you know tremendous mm-hmm. tremendous support and they got totally short changed again didn't they for, for most of that game mm-hmm. so Absolutely. you know Leeds have just got to they've just got to harness that somehow it doesn't to, to get over the line and as you say, it's it's such a it's such a powerful tool to have. You know, you can kind of take yeah. it for granted at times. But when you see, uh, like you, I was watching our match of the day, them showing all the all the fans flooding out of Burnley. When you see the contrast yeah. with that away end at Arsenal, where they're all they're all twirling their scarves and their Stuart Dallas t-shirts above their heads, yeah. really yeah. defiantly urging the team on, and, and and almost the fans leading the team. You know, it was it was great to see, and as as, as you say, they, they've just got to they've just got to use that because it, it's a big it's a big we- weapon uh, in their armory. You think that Burnley will be the one, Stuart? I know we were talking before the um, before the Chelsea game, but uh, I just I put a tweet out the other day, and I, and I agree with it. I think that you know it's a it's a different dynamic a few weeks ago. And fair play to what they've done, Burnley. They were you know down and out. They were in the bottom three. Everybody was. Right off the chances, and there were, there were the sort of hunter, if you like, and it's just, it is a different dynamic when you're out there and you you've actually suddenly got something to lose, haven't you? You know, they won yeah. the you won the home games, and then obviously, you know, the Villa the Villa match didn't turn up. There was there been more pressure on them because you know it, it's theirs to lose. So it's um, it totally it totally different. It's totally different when you're out there in the open. 
you, you, you're right, but I, I guess for I guess for Leeds, for Everton, and for Burnley, it's it's not a case of looking to other people and hoping. You've just got to do your own job. Oh, absolutely, and, yeah. and, and yeah. you know any any team that does do its own job when you're in a relegation battle, that that will suffice because yeah. all three teams are going to pick up maximum points. So you've no. you've just got to you've just got to plow on and do it. No excuses. Know this. Know that we are where we are. Don't care who we're playing. We've just got to get the job done. And say. I'm I'm 100% confident that the the fans will produce the goods regardless. Yeah. The players not not 100% confident. They they're, they're certainly capable of it. Uh, but I say they've got to follow the lead of those people in the stands because they are an example to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean whoever goes down you've got to say whoever it is deserves to go down, don't they? You know, and yeah. in this case sometimes you can get the odd season where a, you know a team has been unlucky but ultimately no one will have any any complaints but you know there's there's five five teams you know down there and two of them will will survive obviously two have already got but uh you know some will stay up so you know just it's a little bit like the situation in in league one there were i think there were about was it about six or seven teams trying to avoid four spots and a couple of teams um Bad as they are, managed to manage to stay up, and um, obviously, you know, from our perspective, let's hope it's Leeds. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, now we turn to the championship, and Huddersfield Town go into the playoffs with a run of four straight wins after beating Bristol City two nil. Uh, they now face Luton Town for a place in the playoff final. How do you think the Terriers will go into that clash, and what did you make of their performance against Bristol City, Leon? Well, they're in a in a great place. You almost it's almost <laughs> funny sort of way too perfect a place, isn't it? Really, I mean, you, you just you know most things have got, have gone right for for Huddersfield. And you, you've got to say the response from the last international break has been outstanding, wasn't it? I mean, they had obviously got beaten to to Bournemouth, a rare defeat, you know. And you, you think to the record in the second half of the season, which is which has been remarkable. But their their response has been first class. Um, obviously, some you know big results against the likes of of Middlesbrough, and they've ended ending the season with a with a wet sail as well. And you know, there's, there's lots to be uh, lots that's admirable and praiseworthy about they've done about the work they've done. That you know, the thing for me is that you know the, the main thing is you know players have gone out of the side and others others have stepped in. People have. Spoken about well, they won't. You know, they've got a good squad, but what about if Thomas um, isn't playing, and what about if Danny Ward isn't playing? Um, others have stepped up. You, you look at you look at you know Jordan Rhodes has, has come in, and um, you know he, he's done well. You, you just look across that that squad. I mean, there's been times this season Toffolo's not been in, and Ruffles had a, had a bit of a go. You know, Pippa was injured. Turns come in. Ward's been out. Rhodes has, has, has come in in midfield. You look at Russell, who's coming in the second half of the season, and um, yeah, it's, it's just outstanding and a tribute to you know the the sort of quality and um, work ethic of that squad, and also the you know the, the coaching staff there. And yeah, they're in a they're in a great great place. They manage games extremely well. They're tactically aware. Um, yeah, it's funny they've got Luton. I mean, in, in a funny sort of way, that's they could have perhaps played, if you like, the underdog card if they'd have drawn a, a Forest or even a Sheffield United. Luton's the one where 
there will be pressure, a certain pressure and expectation to, to get through there and, and get to Wembley. But at the end of the day, Huddersfield have handled nearly everything that's been thrown at them this season and um, took it on the chin, chin and, and, and responded. So this is just another challenge for them, isn't it? And you'd, you'd expect them to deal with it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things about Huddersfield that have impressed me this season. But the, the latest one, really, is is how they played in the in the two dead rubbers to finish the season. You know, going back to what Leon said, you know, when they'd already qualified for the playoffs, you look at um, you look at the way Nottingham Forest have finished the season. You know, when they'd already qualified for the playoffs, they've they've rested a few players. It's human nature that that you know you you might just drop down a gear or so, but. Because, as Leon says, these players on the fringes have come in and really done the business. They've able to win, been able to win both games. They've been able to keep keep momentum going, you know. And and as as Leon says, it, it it's it, it sort of changed the dynamic of of the uh, of the playoff semi final for them. But they've gone into it with momentum, and and that's that's what you always wanted in a playoff. And that's that's often the undoing of the third place side. Then they've normally qualified in advance. Or, or dropped out of the automatic positions and don't have momentum. Well, Huddersfield, they've they've won six of the last seven games and drawn the other one. They are the very definition of momentum at the moment. They've they've really done a, a really professional job of just keeping the foot foot down. And I just hope it hope it pays dividends for them because say I I, I really can't speak highly enough for the for the. You know the the way they've just gone about their, their business this season, and you know they'll they'll be they as as Leon says they may not be written off against Luton, but certainly if they get through to the final, you can absolutely guarantee they'll be written off. But they've been written off yeah. all the way through, mm-hmm. and they continually, you know, disprove uh, the theory. So they they won't be even remotely bothered about that. As Leon says, they'll probably be quite pleased to be written off. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, all, all, all power to them. It's going to be. It should be two. It's two really good semi-finals, which kind of guarantees a sort of David versus Goliath final. Whoever whoever is playing in it. I think the thing that's. I mean, as Stuart rightly says, there's been a hell of a lot um, that's worthy of praise with Huddersfield this season. I think if I had to had to pick one thing, I mean, if people talk at the top level of football about rotating and managing squads and using the squads and you know people thought that Alex Ferguson he'd think he'd know his, his team in a couple of games time for a particular game and you know it's people talk about it now with with Klopp using his squad and and, and Guardiola etc but I, I can't think of a, of a certainly a championship level of a coach manager who's used his his, his squad as, as intelligently and, and, and smartly and not been Derailed by injuries and, and suspensions, as as, as Corbron, it's and, you know and he's he's done it, but not at the expense of results. Obviously, is it just two league losses since the end of um, November? Which you know, it's it's staggering, isn't it? Really, what, what they've achieved there, and just how he's managed managed the squad and getting getting those results, and you know, and you and you look at how they've finished. Um, the season with, with you know real momentum. I mean, it's it's funny the time the time they went up a few years when the David Varley they sort of tailed off a bit, didn't they? And then came back again. But it's it's almost like the the opposites um, happened here. And you know everyone in the squad has had their little taste of it. They've had, had bits of match time. Even you know Jamal Blackman got a game, didn't he? The 
the um, the backup goalkeeper against Bristol City, and you know everyone will be mentally and physically ready for the for the challenges ahead. And it's you know all power to um, uh, to Corbin. I know Nathan Jones got the uh, the manager of the year in the championship, but there's been a hell of a lot of competition in that regard. And Corbin must have been ever so close just behind him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, next, we turn our attention to Sheffield United, uh, who may have put out a warning to Nottingham Forest after an impressive 4-0 victory over champions Fulham. Um, now, how much of a confidence boost will this be to Paul Heckingbottom's side as they fight uh, for a spot in the final, Stuart? Massive. Absolutely massive. Because people look at it from outside, you know, and, and understandably, and they'll see Sheffield United for team with nothing to play for nil and think oh yeah big surprise well for the first 10 minutes or so Fulham were right up for that Fulham were much better than Sheffield United and you looked at that and you thought aye aye they're in for a game today Uh, and Sheffield United players and fans to go back to what Leon was saying with regards to Ellen Road just raised the game and blew them away and to be honest you know once, once, once they got in front Fulham you know, the, I think the appetite waned a little bit, and that's maybe why it was so big, so big a margin. But I, th- I think in, in a in a strange kind of way. I mean, obviously the conventional wisdom, and it makes a lot of sense, is that in the playoffs, as in all two-legged ties, you want the home leg second. But I think having had such a good day at home on Saturday, they'll be they'll be glad to get the opportunity to play in front of that atmosphere again and just keep the ball rolling, really, because there was there was just. Such a such a belief, such a confidence about them, and and what impresses me about them is the fact that there's just there's excuses everywhere for Sheffield United when you look at the players they've got injured. I mean, number one, two, and three, they've got no Billy Sharp, and and you know we were saying all the time when he was fit what a big player he was for them. He he's out, been out of the picture because of injury, desperately trying to get fit for the players, but who knows if he'll manage. So Willemann and Dice stepped up, and Morgan Gibbs White has raised his, his game another notch. You know, it's it's really impressive the way they've just not felt sorry for themselves, just got on with it. I think that I think that mainly comes from the manager. It sort of feeds into a strong dressing room because after all this was this was kind of the way things were when, when things were working under Chris Wilder. It was the same sort of just get on with it mentality. Um, but but I really do think that is what is sort of driving them into the playoffs. And yeah, Forrest possibly possibly on their day are um, the, the the best the best team in the championship uh, behind Fulham possibly, um, but um, Sheffield United are more than capable of uh, of beating them. You know, Forest were after all only four only uh, fourth in the table, so they, you know they don't have that consistency. Uh, I don't. I think it should be a really really good heavyweight tie, and I'm just really looking forward to it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, oh, obviously Sheffield United, they're a, they're a big club at championship level, but you sort of look, look at Forest and, don't get me wrong, they've produced some outstanding stuff, hasn't they, haven't they, since Steve Cooper took over? Some of the stars in the, you know, of, of the championship, Brennan Johnson, you're thinking of Jed Spence as well. You know, on the day, they're an outstanding side and a very good football side, but, you know, the playoffs is a different it's a, a different sort of format and almost season now, isn't it? And they will be under so much pressure going in, into those 
playoffs, you know, there's going to be the talk of Brian Clough, there's going to be the talk of two European club um, cups, Premier, the Premier League, you know, the the, the discussions say, you know, we'd love to see Forrest back, it's been a long time they've got, that's an additional thing that they're going to have to have to contend with. Um, probably more so if they got to a, to a Wembley final, but also in the, in this semi-final as well, against a, a very dangerous Sheffield United side who've got some you know, big game experience in there, players who've been around the around the block, and then as Stuart said, they've got some young young dynamic players who have really hit the straps at the end of the season. So it's it's a really fascinating time. It'll be it'll be a cracker, and it'll be fascinating for me to see how Forest, as good a side they are, actually deal with it, and and, and obviously deal with the second leg as well. Being at home at the city ground, where there'll be there'll be so much expectation on on the shoulders, and um, it could be one of those where Sheffield United just come in by the by the back door and, and aim to just do a job. Hmm. I, I just feel with Sheffield United of all the teams in the playoff, enjoy seems to enjoy the pressure more than most because yeah. of that that mentality Leo's re- referred to and, and the experience. It's almost like well, we know we can handle this. I say, yeah. Forrest, yeah. we saw them do great things in the FA Cup when they were the underdogs in the games. But, you know, for Sheffield United, you, you feel like you can, you can, you can, it's almost like a, you, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter how much pressure you put on them. Yeah. They will yeah, respond. They, you know, yeah. ultimately, ultimately, they might not be good enough as a football team in, in, in a particular situation, but you don't feel they'll be caught short mentally. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that element will be will be fascinating to see as well. You can just imagine the second leg, Stuart, just before kick off the you know three quarters of the ground at the, the city ground, you know, um, belting out the songs that, that Forrest sing and, and, and sing loud, and the likes of you know Fleck Norwood looking at each other in in the eye and going, "Yeah, we're we're up for this. We're we'll fancy a bit of this." Yeah. Exactly, and looking in the other people's eyes, they get to say, yeah. "Do you?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's 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 fascinating. You know, it's a completely different sort of psychology and approach for Huddersfield and Sheffield United, but they've they've both got reasons to be to be really optimistic about these playoffs. I think. And uh, now we turn our attention to Middlesbrough, who fell to a surprising four-one defeat at uh, at the hands of Preston North End. Um, what caused Chris Wilder's side to, I mean, in my eyes, practically fall apart, knowing that a playoff place was on the line and what really needs to be done during uh, the build-up to next season, Leon? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it, whatever they'd have done, it didn't matter because, obviously, Sheffield United did, did the job and they did the job outstandingly well. And Luton got over the line as well. But it was, yeah, it was massively disappointing. I mean, they, they certainly couldn't lack in the... Middlesbrough didn't lack in the support um, base. There were over five and a half thousand at, at Preston, and the, the support was magnificent all the way through. And you know, even when they were four-one, four-one down, they were, you know, it was it was loud and loud and proud. So yeah, they didn't didn't um, didn't spoil the, the Borough fans' day in the end. I think obviously word had got round of what was happening elsewhere, and and they thought, well, we might as well have a, a farewell party to the to the season but yeah on, on on the day you've got to give a lot of credit to, to Preston lots is talk about this this part of the season of teams being on the beach and having little to to play for but there was one team that looked like they were going for the top six and it was 
it was the Preston. They were they were aggressive. They were high energy. They were they were, and they were dominant in all departments. Um, Reese and Archer up front were excellent. Um, the likes of Alan Brown in midfield, and they were they were solid at the back. And um, it was just bizarre to to sort of look at Preston and think, well, how are, how have you finished just in um, in mid table in the championship? Because that was that was a top dollar performance from them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, from Middlesbrough's perspective, the it's what might have been really, isn't it? I mean, they've, they've made big strides under Chris Wilder in terms of the playing style. They've got the supporters on on side, but it's I think he's ultimately been in been in both boxes, hasn't it? Really, they've, and their away form's been very up and down, and as as well as as they've done under under Wilder, they've finished five points away from the playoffs, and. Um, I think they were about that when Neil Neil Warnock left. But to be fair to him, he has made strides. But there's a lot of work to do in the summer, um, more especially up front. The three lone lads have gone back. Um, Aaron Connolly and Balogun have made little impact. Spora made an impact before Christmas, but he's he's tailed off. So they're going to need three forwards for a start. He suggests they're going to need a goal, um, another. Um, First choice goalkeeper because you know Lumley and Daniels both had the opportunities and haven't really overly convinced uh, one or two areas as well. So I, I actually think there's decent as they've, as they've done under Chris Wilder and they've had a, a you know a great cup run, had the moments in the league. There's there's a fair bit of work to do in, in the summer there, and they'll be. I think they'll be hoping that Jed Spence has a blinder for Forest in the playoffs to maybe put a few more pounds on his on his price value to sell him in the summer because you'd think that a lot of the proceeds from that will go towards uh, Wilder's um, um, recruitment overhaul. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I think if you look at Middlesbrough's last three months, really, I think it puts into perspective everything we've talked about so far. far you know, we talk about we talk about players responding to the to the pressure, you know, we talk about managers setting the tone and fans doing this and fans doing that, but it's not easy. You know, Middlesbrough were on it were on a great run, put themselves into contention for the playoffs, and then the nerves really kick in. And it is it is difficult with the best will in the world when you've got eleven human beings on the field to to cope with all those pressures. So for those teams that have, you know, for Sheffield United, for Huddersfield, for Luton, for teams like that it just shows how how difficult it is because that is a you know for all that for all that there will be a, a lot of work in it there's a fair bit of talent in that in that Middlesbrough squad you know Leon's quite right in 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 the the weaknesses he's pointed out but there's still some really good players there and it's it's it is easier said than done you know dealing with that 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 pressure of being in a promotion race or a relegation battle and um, so I think it's it's huge credit to the teams who come out the right side of it. And uh, yeah, just just frustrating for Middlesbrough because there, there there was a spell where they were getting a sort of momentum where you just thought that you almost lulled yourself into thinking they can't not make the playoffs. Uh, they were in such good form, but it, it just shows. And in a in a championship season, a forty six game season, it is really hard to you know consistently maintain that momentum for for such a long period of time. And so when teams like Huddersfield do it, you can only doff your cap to them. It'll be fascinating what they do in the in the summer, Stuart. They're obviously announced to be tameless this week. Um, no real 
surprises. Obviously, Sol Bamba, who's I mean, his story's been remarkable there, hasn't it? He's uh, he's been let he's played nearly thirty games, but he's he's thirty seven years old and uh, obviously looking to the to the future. There, he's been released along with Lee Peltier and uh, Neil Taylor, who was only on a on a short term deal. Johnny House has been offered a offered a contract, so Wilder's you know really keen to to keep hold of him. The lone players have have also gone back, but in the aftermath of of the uh, obviously the, the game at Preston, the press spoke to spoke to Chris, and it was, it was just really interesting what he said. He, he was saying, you know, he's got a he's got he's got the the fire in his belly and the and the excitement to 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 do this this overhaul, and he he, he spoke about he didn't refer to them by name, but he spoke about other players who wouldn't be there on the journey. So you you just wonder what what else has has also transpired in the individual chats that he's had with with all the players he spoke about. You know, he, he spoke about the likes of Tavernier and McNair, saying they've got a future. Um, Dale Fry, but he wants more out of them. You know, the same with Isaiah Jones. But you just wonder about some of the others sort of beneath that. If if there's going to be you know quite a few manoeuvrings there, maybe to get get some of those players out to to bring. Um, new ones in, so it'll be the, the makeup of the side at the start of next season. Will um, I suppose that'll that'll reveal all? Because I, I do think that of that side who, who lined up at Preston, you're probably looking at uh, five, possibly six, who who Wilder will really want and trust to be his his mainline first team players. Yeah, I mean, I think the retain list shows, you know, there's there's absolutely no sentiment in it. This is a really ambitious manager who doesn't want to hang around. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think you're right. Yeah, I think for the five or six who who he does keep, I mean, you know, he, he, he took Paddy McNair's name into it, didn't he? Saying he needs more from him. Yeah. I think, I think those five and six will be left in no doubt that look. You're you're still on this journey for now, but if you don't produce yeah. between now and the next transfer window, you won't be. You know, the, there's a real you can you can really feel yeah. the, the the hunger and determination in in Chris Wilder, which is obviously exactly what you want as a football club. I, I think there'll be I think there'll be big changes, and yeah, he's not going to be messing about. And as as you say, Leon, if if um, mm. if Jay Spence brings in big money, then he, he's going to have the he's going to have the resources to. Uh, to at least do some of what he'll, he'll, he'll never do all yeah. of what he wants because of that ambitious nature but he, he'll, he'll have the resources to go a fair way in that direction hmm. yeah you think I mean obviously it'd be difficult to compete with the clubs with, with parachute money but you, you would think that Middlesbrough would be a fairly attractive you know place to go with, with Wilder there obviously obviously support um, players and agents will be aware of what he what he did at Sheffield United and the story there and uh you know, Middlesbrough are a, they're a big club at, at championship level, and you, and you sense it's on on the move again. So the hope is that they can, you know, recruit um, that calibre of player that, that they need. And um, you know, the first the first port of port of call's got to be got to be forwards, hasn't it? Because I mean, the top scorer this season was was Matt Crooks, the attacking midfielder. He only I think he only got eleven as well, didn't he? Um, you know, as, as good a haul as that is for a midfielder, but. They're going to need a lot of goal, more goals from somewhere, well, certainly from the forward line. 
And uh, now we turn our attention to Hull City, who were able to get away with a point after a very late draw against Nottingham Forest, a result which helped decide the pairings for the playoffs. What did you make of their uh, draw on the final day of the season, and what do you think the Tigers will have to do during the break to ensure a better finish for next season, knowing that this is going to be practically the first proper sort of transfer window with the new owner and uh, Shotar Valadze at the helm. So where, where do they go from here? Well, I think, that, you know, they finished the season quite strongly, you know, definitely to, to their credit and to Shotar Valadze's credit, the way the way they finished the season. But I I don't think, I don't think there was much they could do in the last weeks of the season that was going to change the fact that there will be a big overhaul at Hull as well. You know, big, biggest... Bigger still than at Middlesbrough, I would think, because again, I mean, in their case, I think the ambitions are driven as much from the uh, from the owner as from the, from the coach. But they are an ambitious club, you know, they won't want to hang about. But I do think it was important that they 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 finished the season the way that they did. They just gave the fans, you know, a bit of belief, bit of belief in Avalanche to be fair, and, and a bit of bit of confidence for Avalanche because you know we've we've talked before about how um, it can't be easy coming into a Coming into a new league mid-season, when you don't you don't really know any of these teams you're coming up against, so it will, it will have done him good to have uh, to have finished the way they did, and you know it'll have a few of the players feeling better for themselves. But obviously the the, the big the big thing for Hull will be a can they keep Keane Lewis Potter, and b the answer's probably no. So if it is, can they can they again same as Jed Spence, can they reinvest that money wisely? You know. They were they were able to move on from uh, from Jared Bowen, although albeit it took them sort of half a season or so. Uh, they may well have to move on from Lewis Potter again, but I, I just hope I just hope going forward that the and, and I, I do think this will be the case. Certainly, the the, the chairman's talking the talk that we don't just see a team of eleven new signings. We do see a, a mixture of the players who've come through the academy, Ala Bowen and 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 Lewis Potter with players come in and that we see a good mix but I, I think yeah I think it's going to be a really really exciting summer for, for Hull obviously sad to see Tom Huddleston go with his you know association for the club but now really it's just a case of just waiting to see what happens there'll be all sorts of rumours about who'll come in we'll wait and see what the reality is and then how quickly they can gel, gel together but um, yeah I think it was I think from the from the moment Ilajali came in, it was really a case of just getting through this next season, getting to the summer, and then the fun really starts. Yeah, I think it's getting that that blend to it, isn't it? Um, yeah. Obviously, they that uh, you would expect that players, some players from the from the continent will come in, but it's having also having that, that enough experience of you know one of the most competitive divisions in in world football isn't it having the you know players who've who've been successful at that level so it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how that that part of it's managed really um yeah. i think keeping hold of jacob greaves as well that might be another one you wonder if one or two clubs might have a little you mentioned you know rightly lewis potter who's got his admirers but greaves has had an outstanding season as well so you know the man after feel one or two potential offers for him because he's he's always impressed me when I've when I've seen Hull. I think the the thing that will, will also inspire Hull that they'll look at what clubs like Huddersfield have done, won't they? And think, well, you know, the season before Huddersfield had a had a, a you know finishing the in the bottom part of the table, 
Sprouse Hall weren't in as much sort of relegation danger as Huddersfield were in the in the previous season. But they've just shown what can be done with with shrewd recruitment and um, you know and, and good coaching. And you know, there's always a surprise or two in the in in the championship. So that's something to to aim at a little bit longer term into into next um, season. But yeah, it's all about recruitment, isn't it? I mean, Paul Warren was sat on one of his press calls recently, and he said he said it's ten percent coaching and ninety percent players and. and um, you know, and, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. And uh, finally for this week, we turn our attention to League One, and Sheffield Wednesday fell agonisingly short in their playoff semi-final against Sunderland. After a narrow defeat at the Stadium of Light, the Owls made it all square back at Hillsborough when Lee Gregory scored after 75 minutes in the second leg, only to concede in the 93rd minute. Um, the result means Wednesday will have to spend another season in League One, um, what does the coming season hold for Darren Moore's team, Leon? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important, as bitterly disappointing as as it is, and uh, I think that the disappointing aspect at the end was he looked. I'm not quite sure of the statistics, but Sunderland have scored a hell of a lot of goals late in games recently, and you know it was a real tight sort of tactical tense two legs and. Stuart alluded to it in his report, and he was, he was spot on. It's almost been, you know, a game of chess, and you know, right at the end, Wednesday, uh, the, uh, I, 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 you know, at the game watching it, there were, you know, there were bombing players, forward defenders. There was one point Harley Dean had bombed into the box, and he was really, really struggling to to get back when Sunderland had the ball. And there was another counter attack. Sunderland got away down the down the left. Mendes Lang switched off. A little bit in his defensive duties. Uh, Jack Clark, who was the best player on on the pitch, he uh, he got around story, crossed it, and obviously Patrick Roberts came in, and it was you know it was good night, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, it's uh, it was always going to be a close close tie, first of all, and you know, and, and so it proved. I mean, Sunderland, had, I don't think they've been beat away from home under under uh, Alex Neil, and. Top top opposition, and you know, from Stewart did the first leg, I did the second, and I think we'd probably both agree that uh, Sunderland were the were the better side over overall. They just they just had that bit more in the um, in, in the offensive areas and uh, got over the line. But it, it, I still think it's been a it's been a a, a decent good season in the round for Wednesday. They got eighty five points, you know, which is no mean achievement. It's probably the the hardest league one that I can recall for for many many years. So as bitterly disappointing as it is, at the minute for Wednesday, there's got to be some sort of perspective. But you now we've spoken about it with Middlesbrough and and Hull. There's got to be some as well as Wednesday. Done, there's, got, there's got to be some work there in the summer. And you know, they've got a few loanies going back. They've got um, quite a few players out out of contract. Um, you know the likes of Sam Hutchinson, Luongo. I think they've got options on one or two, haven't they? Like Jack, um, Jack Hunt and Berahino. So you just wonder what the makeup of that starting lineup will be at the start of next season. I mean, Bailey Peacock, Farrell's going back. Um, obviously, there's, Har- there's Harley Dean, the story. So it, it could be a real um, different-looking back four for us for a start. So it's going to be, as we've said for quite a few Yorkshire teams, it's going to be about recruitment this summer. 
Yeah, I think I think the disappointing thing for me, say watching the first game in the stands, the second game on the television, is you watch both and you just thought Wednesday are better than this. They didn't really show their best form when it mattered most, which is which is frustrating. But you know, past that, obviously, it was down to the quality of the opposition they were facing as well. You've got to you got to give credit for that. But I think I, I was looking at some of the numbers. Uh, for a, a piece I wrote in my column this week. And uh, I think the most encouraging thing for me, as Leon says, they got 85 points. That's a lot of points to get. I think um, there was only two championship teams and no League Two teams got more than that last season, as, uh, in the season. So it, it shows you that that was a good hole. But also, 48 of them came in the second half of the season, which suggests that as the season has gone on, Darren Moore's coaching and, and, and man management has taken effect. I mean, they did have a huge overhaul last season. I think it was 14 new players in at the start. So it was always going to take time for them to get to get going. And hopefully, whilst I agree with what Leon says, there will there will be changes. Hopefully it's not going to be quite as fundamental this season. Uh, sorry, next season. And it won't there won't be that sort of there won't need to be such a such a bedding in period. They can hopefully hit the straps uh, a little bit more quickly because they were they were a bit slow coming to coming together um, at the start of the season. Injuries compounded that as well. Uh, you you hope that that next season they'll just be a, a a bit more clued up as to exactly what League One entails. A bit more familiar with one another as a group. You know, maybe maybe even just a little bit more humble at times. It, it, sometimes. Uh, I'm referring to the players, sometimes the supporters, and just sort of understanding yeah. the demands of the of the, of the division. But um, it's going to be another tough division because a I wouldn't take it for granted that Sunderland are going to going to beat Wickham in the playoffs, uh, and b even if they do, you've got another big club coming down in Derby County. It's a really competitive, you know, top end of top end of League One again. Um, so they, they they're going to have to be on the game. They're going to have to learn the lessons. You know they are going to have to sort of improve their concentration late in in games because it wasn't just Sunderland who had a habit of scoring late goals. Sheffield Wednesday had a habit of conceding them. Yeah. Um, sure so so that yeah. there there are certainly lessons to be learnt. But I believe that they've got the structure in place and the, and the people that they they can learn those lessons and they can kick on from here. Yeah. I mean, even if the 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 budget does. You know, go down a little bit, Stuart. There's still Sheffield Wednesday will still attract the calibre of player needed to get out of League One. You would you would suspect, wouldn't you? I mean, you look at the side; they've still got they got to have Barry Bannon there. He's a leader. They've got to have Lee Gregory there, who's 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 really stepped up to the plate, hasn't he? In the at the business end of the of the season, I think Byers has come on a bit as well. Um, and they've got you know they've got the, the stalwarts such as such as Liam Palmer. I, th- I think that Johnson's done done well as well. It's just finding those other bits. Yeah, you know, I think they're probably going to need somebody, maybe another um, consistent striking option to to go along alongside um, and Gregory. And there's obviously the goalkeeping issue as as well. So I think there's some key strategic areas to sort out with they can recruit um, smartly. They and like Stuart said, get that mentality and, and be humble and just keep the heads down. They should have a, a, a good chance next year and they'll probably want to avoid the playoffs, won't they? Because of, you know, the recent history is a bit painful, isn't it, with the 
obviously the Huddersfield home game, we've had the, the Sunderland home game and, and what happened at Wembley um, in 2016. So I think they would prefer to go up by the conventional route, put it that way. Yeah, and I, and I think in terms of who they recruit, I think they need to go looking for more league regularies. I don't mean in terms of yeah. Yeah. strikers or what have you, but that sort of down-to-earth, humble, yeah. not flash... You know, may, maybe maybe not a signing that you think, wow, that's amazing. They need to they need to focus on signings like that rather than trying to find more sort of Barry Bannons or you know ex, ex, too, too many exciting young Premier League players. That you've got to accept you're in League One. You need good league, you know, good League One standard players to to get out of it. And and there are there, you know there are some really good league Gregories about. That's the, that's the point. I'm not saying that to sort of talking down he's been an absolute revelation for Sheffield Wednesday so so why would you not want want more players like that I just think they need that sort of that sort of mentality rather than you know getting ahead of themselves and, and then trying to think like a championship club before they are a championship club yorkshirepost.co.uk Many thanks to Stuart Rayner and Leon Wobshall, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging onto our website at www.yorkshirepost.co.uk forward slash sport. Or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football, or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages, or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at jpimedia.co.uk. As ever, many thanks for listening, look after yourselves, and bye for now.